Africa, home to the most unique people in the world. A place that connects us through our customs, traditions, and even belief itself. Join Mukundi Mudao in Tribal Pursuit, a series that ventures deep into Africa to discover the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. Join the conversation every Wednesday at 10 a.m. right here on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Tribal Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. Top of the morning. It is 6 minutes past 10 and it's Wednesday the 30th of November 2022, meaning... It's the last day of November, the final day before December starts. And you know what that means. The year is over. Everybody's in a party mode. I don't think anybody's going to be serious starting tomorrow. And I love it. That means we all get to have fun. Everybody gets to celebrate the festive season. Do stay safe. Do enjoy yourself. And of course, don't do anything that I would do. So it is Travel Pursuit, the show where we go deep into Africa and we discover the different Jewish communities and we talk to people from different communities. Sometimes they don't even have to be a part of the community, but any interaction is good interaction. Today we'll be talking to Jano David. He is a photographer and he's been around Africa discovering different Jewish communities as well. Him and I had the same idea. I'm on radio, he's a cameraman and, you know, different mediums. <laughs> anyway, besides that, I'm going to tell you what happened in Africa. I'm going to give you a lot of good stories. And of course, it wouldn't be Tribal Pursuit without the beautiful African music that I have for you. If you do want to get in touch with your friend Mukundi, feel free to do so. I won't stop you. 34519 is how you SMS me. 0618951019 is how you telegram me. On air at highfm.com is how you email me. And at highfm is how you tweet me. Get your Twitter fingers out and let's get this party started. Let's have fun. Let's enjoy this Wednesday morning and thank you for spending it with me. This is Tribal Pursuit. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9, Chai FM, this is Tribal Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. Top of the morning, time is 14 minutes past 10, and I hope you're enjoying your beautiful Wednesday, the last Wednesday, the last day of November before we get the party started, because in South Africa, we know festive season is a culture. Okay, December is not just a month, it's a way of life. December, December, boss, as they say. But, that's still a long way from now. That's still a couple hours from now. So we got we got we got time for some fun. We're gonna have fun until then. I have a message from my friend Gail. Who says good morning, dear friend Mukundi. Always thanks for the great program and lovely music. And thank you for being with me, Gail. I do appreciate that. It is time for you to forget that you're African for that you're Jewish for a minute. And let me tell you what's happening in in Africa. Starting with the World Cup. I started with the World Cup last week. Have to do it again because I am behind Senegal. I am not a soccer fan one bit. Let me say, I think it was clear from the way I said soccer, because I would have I would have gotten my head chopped around a bunch of soccer people. I'm just gonna keep saying the word to annoy them, because apparently it's football. If you say soccer around around them, it's it's a it's an offense. It's it's a derogatory term. Apparently, I was not aware. Starting with Senegal, um, they won. They have qualified. The good news is they have qualified. Senegal beats Ecuador, two one. It's a nice game to qualify for the knockout stage. Now, this is the so this is the second round of the World Cup, as far as I know. I've done my research. I've tried to do my research because in the morning I'd hear Louis Harper say the World Cup finals, the World Cup finals, the World Cup finals, and I'd ask myself, why does he say the World Cup finals? Is he just is he just not 
not hearing himself or is there something more but that's louis coppers he knows more about sports and soccer than i do so i figured you know he knows what he's saying and turns out he did i was wrong when they say world cup finals allow me to tell you why it's because these are the teams that qualified so i've always asked myself 32 teams not much of a world cup is it well it turns out they have these tournaments across the continents and that's why we have the african cup of nations and the copa americano and the uefa the, is it the uefa what 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 is it my bad my bad my research my notes just hopped in front of me right now but uefa CAF, all these all these organizations and all these conferences they all have tournaments in their respective continents every every year well throughout the years and everybody's trying to qualify so by the end of the four years 32 teams will have qualified obviously some teams qualified by default such as the host nation qatar and some teams qualify by winning their respective tournaments that's how they that's how they don't have to do anything else they don't have to play any more games you much much like senegal they won the cup the cup of nations they don't have to do anything else they can just keep playing because they know they're in the world cup so that was a quick little rant so they call it the finals because these are all the teams that made it you know you've beaten everybody else you're in the finals we're, we're here to find the best of the best and that is a little knowledge that i had for you today that is why the world cup is sometimes referred to as the world cup finals who knew certainly not me senegal have qualified for the first knockout stage of the 2022 fifa qatar world cup the taranga lions beat ecuador 2-1 in a pulsating encounter that is arguably the best showing of the african champions at the khalifa international stadium in doha the important the important win ensured senegal got six points enough to sit second place in group a where netherlands led with seven wow that's a lot of points having easily gone past host qatar in a 2-0 win a match played simultaneously with that of Senegal against Ecuador. So the good news is Senegal has qualified and we will be moving forward. So Africa still has a representative. I wonder how Cameroon is doing because I remember something about them as well. I'm just not following the World Cup like that. Excuse my ignorance, but we have Louis Coppers for that. And this is a crazy story. You have to be sitting down for this. Trust me. I, I was sitting down and I almost fell off my chair. Stowaways survive 11 days on rudder of ship traveling from nigeria to the canary islands what on a rudder do you know you know what the rudder is for 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 people like myself who didn't know what a rudder was it's that thing on the ship that controls which way the ship is going you know it's like a flap even planes have them on their wings that that flap that that goes pa -pa 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 -pa, you know to determine to determine which way the ship is going or determine the altitude of the plane yeah they were sitting on that for 11 days and there's actually a picture here and it is the craziest thing ever. It looks very uncomfortable and I don't know how they managed to do that for 11 days, but they did it. Spain's Maritime Rescue Service has rescued three stowaways traveling on a ship's rudder in the Canary Islands after the vessel sailed there from Nigeria. The men found on the Elitini 2 oil tanker at the Los Palmas port appear to have symptoms of dehydration and hypothermia after spending about 11 days clinging to the rudder of the to the rudder of the oil tanker. Yeah, I can only imagine. 11 days with no food, no water. I mean, I've watched Life of Pi. I know what happens at sea. The three were subsequently transferred to hospitals on the island for medical attention, Spain's Salvamento Martimo said. According to the marine, marine traffic website which tracks ships, the Malta-flagged vessel left, left Lagos, Nigeria on the 17th of November. Wow, that was two weeks ago. And arrived on Monday in Las Palmas. 
Though extremely dangerous, it is not the first time stowaways have been found traveling on the route of commercial ships to the Canary Islands. What? Last year, a 14-year-old Nigerian boy was interviewed by Spain's El País newspaper after surviving two weeks on a ship's rudder. He had also departed from Lagos. Okay, so what? Does everybody just want to get out of Nigeria? On the rudder. That is really crazy. Such a crazy story that I thought you might want to hear, you might enjoy because I heard it and I said, no way, this is true. This is clickbait. And it wasn't. There's a clear picture right there. Definitely not Photoshop. If you do want to check it out, just Google Nigerian man and Spanish ship. Spanish ship. I'm pretty sure you'll find it just like that. Anyway, I've been talking for a while now. Time is 20 minutes past 10. 101.9 High FM. This is Travel Pursuit. I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mundao. Tell me what you think. Congratulations to Senegal. They beat Ecuador. They moving on. Tell me what you think about the World Cup. Tell me what you think about these dudes that literally got there. Come hell or high water. <laughs> 34519 is the SMS line. 0618951019 is the telegram line. On air at highfm.com is how you email me. And at highfm is how you tweet me. Nobody has an excuse to not say anything because every communication, all means of communication have been observed. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM, this is Tribal Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. Top of the morning, the time is 10.26, and in a few minutes we'll be joined by Jano David, and he is a photographer. We'll be talking about his experience with African communities, Jewish communities, obviously, and how it was photo taking photos of them interacting with them and everything in between including just getting there so i i hope you stay tuned for that do stay tuned for that in the meantime let me tell you an african proverb i haven't done this in a while i feel like i haven't told you an african proverb in a while i've been neglecting you i've been a bad friend i do apologize but today's one is good so i think i will be forgiven do not call the forest that shelters you a jungle yeah, I read it too and I said, wait, what? Do not call the forest that shelters you a jungle. What does that mean? Well, jungle here is a derogatory term. It's a place of no order or conscience where people do whatever they feel like doing. So when you tell a person that he's behaving as if he's in the jungle, that is an insult. Do not call the forest that shelters you a jungle. It means that do not insult or show ingratitude to those who provide or help you. A person who shows ingratitude is an ingrate. Sad to say, the world is full of ingrates, and I hope you're not one of them. Is there someone you've showed ingratitude to? Humble yourself and go go call or apologize. Otherwise, it will never go well with you. It may be small kindness the person showed you, but the truth, it made a big difference in your life. The irony is that when you call a forest that shelters you a jungle, you are insulting your own self. The reason is that if you have principles or conscience, you would not behave like that. You would be grateful, be thankful. And that was by the writer D.O. Thompson explaining that to us. Thank you very much. Do not call the forest that shelters you a jungle. That's the African proverb of the day. That's the knowledge that I have bestowed upon you. Do with it what you will. If it made you smarter and better per- and a better person today, well, I guess I've done my job as Mukundi. If it did nothing for you, well... Tune in next time. I better have another one. 101.9 High Fame Time is 1028. We'll be with Mr. John or David in a few. Do not go anywhere. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao. Venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High Fame. This is Tribal Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. 
top of the morning. If you've just joined me and you'd like to say hi, please feel free to do so. 34519 is my SMS line. 0618951019 is a telegram line. You can email me on air at highfm.com. And if you feel like tweeting me, just open Twitter and at highfm. Don't be shy. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> Classes in session. So for about a month now, we've been talking and interacting with different Jewish communities around Africa, and we've talked to members and community leaders. It's been fun. However, due to geography and everybody being so busy, we actually haven't managed to interact with these people physically. But because like a good friend, Mukundi's got you, I managed to track down somebody who has. Yes, yes, he has been to all these countries that I've talked about. Crazy, right? He is in Japan. That's Mr. Jano David. Mr. David, konnichiwa. <laughs> konnichiwa. Well, please call me Jono. And uh, some of your listeners out there might know me. And I'm sure everybody knows me better as Jono. So thank you for having me for this great opportunity to speak to you and to your audience. Not a problem. Not a problem. Thank you for making the time. So I'm just going to go straight into it. You and I had more or less the same idea. How do Jewish people in other African countries live? Difference between your show about it and you wrote a book on it. But with me, it was curiosity and just wanting to find out more. Could you please tell me what made you write your book and gave you the idea to interact with other African Jewish communities? Well, so the story goes back about a decade, actually, when I initially had the seed in my mind to do a, a Jewish Africa photo project. And that came on the heels of doing many years before that, doing other Jewish uh, photo projects uh, during my travels here and there around the world, wherever I happened to be. But I wanted I was looking for something more focused and to a certain degree with sort of the quote-unquote established historical Jewish communities in Southern Africa, uh, particularly South Africa, of course, and then other regional countries, uh, you know, Zimbabwe and, and Namibia and, and Zambia, for example. Uh, and then, of course, across the northern stretches, the Maghreb. Now, of course, these are the, in the southern region, of course, these are the communities that were historically founded through uh, white Jewish uh, European uh, immigration. And... Of course, the Jewish communities in the Arab world, which date back, you know, several thousand years. So as I was leading up to my project and I was researching, I hit upon these uh, black Jewish communities. Now, uh, I think the m most established and well-known of those is the Abayudaya community in Uganda, and, uh, but I, 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 one of the catalysts that really <laughs> helped focus my project was a, a particular book I read by a woman named Edith Bruder, The Black Jews of Africa. And in that book, I discovered all these, uh, black Jewish communities in places like Nigeria, uh, and, uh, Cameroon and, um, connections in Rwanda and, and where else? I just, it's just funny. I, for some reason, I'm just drawing a blank, but I, I came across these Jewish communities. So I started to get really fascinated, intrigued by that. And, uh, it just seemed like a natural thing for me to follow up on. So my itinerary rapidly expanded from uh, the southern and northern stretches of, of Africa to pretty much across the length and breadth of the, of the continent. Hmm. And was this a project just to take pictures? 
and bring attention to these people or did you want to get their story as well and find out more about them? Well, a little bit of both. I think probably certainly more an emphasis on the former because as a photographer, that's certainly my personal end game. I'm not a researcher. I'm not a historian. Mm. I'm not an authority on these uh, communities. But the people who contributed, there were a dozen people who contributed essays to my Jewish Africa book. And uh, they're the ones who really know the rich uh, tapestry that these communities have thread together. So, of course, when I visited these communities, I needed to have a certain understanding of why they are uh, emerging, uh, what their motivations are. And also, of course, just the uh, the personal count encounters and the rock star welcomes that I would receive in these communities was just a memories that uh, memories and experiences that I'll just cherish for the rest of my life. Because, you know, aside from the fact that I was doing this particular Jewish Africa project and uh, learning about them uh, in that fold, you know, just aside from that, they were just, everybody I met was just so amazing. And uh, so it was just uh, extraordinary in, in every way. But yes, certainly to your question, there was, uh, from my point of view, absolutely a focus on the photography. And I, I, I archived roughly 60, 65,000 photographs. So yeah, but you know, you have to bear in mind, I took this project over four years of traveling back and forth from my base here in Japan uh, during my uh, university, where I teach at university. So during my long recesses, uh, I would uh, pack my bag, get on the plane, and um, you know go to different regions of the continent. And it took over four years for me to do that. So, so on the on the face of it, you know, that sounds like a lot of photos, but it's it's really not that that much, considering I also went to thirty countries and territories. So yeah. Not too shabby, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's not a bad archive to have. 65,000. Wow. So how was it getting there? I'm pretty sure there was a bit of a cultural shock as well, seeing all these black people that practice Judaism. And some of them that practice Judaism, but in a not in your more orthodox way, but very different. How How is that for you? Well, you know, people are people. And... Prior to my travels in the Jewish Africa Project, I, I, you know, I'm a pretty experienced traveler, so I'm pretty familiar with the certain expectations of cultural differences. I sort of more am likely to get a reverse culture shock when I go back home mm. uh, and finding, uh, you know, the, the things about my own culture that, that shock me, not so much about where I go. So in that sense, I felt like I could slip right into these communities, meaning that I felt like I was not an outsider. I felt they made me feel welcome just as a person, but also in terms of, you know, their, their Jewish rituals, uh, their daily prayers, their synagogues, their, uh, you know, the accoutrements that go along with practicing their daily services, for example, or some of the holiday, holidays that I was able to celebrate with them. You know, they all felt very familiar. So I didn't see them as, you know, anything different than I was familiar with in any community, uh, anywhere. Of course, there's language differences. There's, uh, you know, other customs differences. There's, um, you know, you name it. Um, there's, uh, just, you know, fashion differences. There's culinary differences. 
So these, these are the things that made it different. But actually with their, uh, interest in Judaism and their, their desire to be more learned, uh, so they can be more widely accepted in the Jewish community at large and their commitment to being Jewish and going through the, the stages of learning and, um, in some communities conversion. Uh, they know it's a long process, but I found that all very inspiring and, uh, it made me feel very connected to them in that sense. So it wasn't as strange or awkward or, you know, uh, as it might, might seem. Mm. Yeah. So that, that in itself, that in a sense was surprising, but, uh, but like I said, at the end of the day, you know, people are people and, um, they want to belong to a community like like most people, whether it's a community of religion or it's a community, whether it's what if, you know whatever your hobby might be or your community of friends, however one defines their community. Uh, in this case, we're talking about the Jewish community. So, mm. and was there ever a time? I hear you saying that they welcomed you with open arms and everything, but was there ever a time, or did you ever go anywhere where people felt a bit more boxed in and reluctant to let you in? Especially since you're coming in with cameras every, and everything, that's kind of hard for some people to grasp and be comfortable with. No, not in the not when we're talking about these black communities that are in places like uh, you know Cameroon, Ghana, and Gabon and uh, uh, Uganda. No, because they are looking for connections and they're welcoming because they want. They want some attention to be recognized. And I think that they, you know, it's an opportunity for them to have their story told, have their story shared. And so, you know, if somebody like me who's doing documentation considers them uh, as part of that Jewish fold, then uh, I think they were happy to have me. Ironically, it was far more in certain circumstances, by far, by, by no means, by no means all, but in certain circumstances, it was far harder for me to get uh, a welcome or even permission to photograph in certain, uh, communities in South Africa or in, uh, certain areas in, um, you know, the, in the Maghreb, for example, in uh, Cairo, Egypt, because, um, you know, there's political issues there and um it was uh, it, it was impossible for me to actually to get official permission to photograph in the what the remnants of you know there's like fewer than a dozen Jews there so uh, they're very concerned for their safety and as an independent photographer and meaning that not an established accredited uh photographer or news person they're less likely to give grant me that sort of permission and access. I did get some Jewish photos for my project uh, in Egypt, but that's another story. So, no, I think the the communities that uh, that we're really focusing on in this conversation uh, are the ones that were very welcoming the most. Not that <laughs> nobody was not welcoming, just that it was some. There were some other places that had more hurdles. I think it also goes down to their culture as well. Uh, you know, there are cultural differences. And, uh, I think, uh, these communities that I visited and, in, in, uh, the places that I've referenced are just sort of by nature, by culture, they're, uh, just very warm and welcoming people. Mm. So, um, I didn't have a problem. Wow. Okay. Well, that, that's, that's amazing. But the, the, the drama queen in me is a bit disappointed. 
honor to hear some juicy stories that they chased you away and you had to carry your camera, but... (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Sorry to disappoint you. No, that did not happen. Uh, There's only one community uh, that I requested uh, photo permission for that absolutely rejected my request and I didn't, it didn't go to. And, um, but that was not in the communities, uh, in the black Jewish communities. That was actually in the Canary Islands, <laughs> uh, even though it's part of Spain, geographically a part of Africa. So I wanted to include it, but they were, uh, for whatever reasons they declined. Uh, so there you go. That's as juicy as it gets. I'm sorry <laughs> to tell you. <laughs> not a problem. Not a problem. Well, I am disappointed that there was no drama, but okay. <laughs> You're listening to 101.9. Tribal Pursuit is the name of the show. I'm your dear friend, Mukundi Mudao, and I'm talking to John David today. We'll be back straight after this. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao. Venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM Tribal Pursuit. I'm your best friend for the hour, Mukundi Mudao. And today I'm still talking to Jano David, who is a photographer who's been all I'm, I'm pretty sure he's been all over the world. But today we just want to find out about Africa and the African communities. And Jano, you visited quite a lot of countries. There's a few countries and Jewish communities that I wanted to ask and get your experience on, if you don't mind. Starting with the Abayudaya in Uganda. I'm pretty sure you met Rabbi Gershom Sizomu. I've talked to him, and he's a very, very, very nice man. He's not only a very nice man, he's an exceptionally busy man. <laughs> uh, not only is he the uh, only ordained rabbi in uh, Uganda, he's also a local um, political um, leader, uh, an elected official. So, uh, yeah, he's got, uh, he's a man of many kipot. He's a busy man. And yeah, so as far as the Abayudaya, as I alluded to, and I think as if anybody really know, anybody who knows really about the broader story of Jewish Africa as it is today would absolutely know at least, uh, or at least heard of the Abayudaya in Uganda. Uh, yeah, they, they are the oldest, most established, uh, black Jewish community. Their roots go back over uh, a little bit over a hundred years. And it wasn't until about, on top, off the top of my head, about early 2000s when the first group of about 400 of Bayudaya were actually uh, officially converted by uh, a few uh, conservative rabbis from the United States. Since then, Rabbi Sizomu uh, was was officially ordained uh, as a at, a at the conservative as a conservative rabbi, and he has subsequently become his his community. Uh, has subsequently become like the uh, so-called uh, Little Jerusalem of uh, of East Africa because he's had a number of leaders, spiritual leaders from uh, other communities uh, in uh, Cameroon and Ghana, for example, who have gone to Uganda and studied with him and earned certificates in rabbinics, which is sort of you know the foundations, the base, first foundations of of anybody who might be on the path to taking it higher to, you know, rabbi level. But of course that requires going to yeshiva. It's a whole different um, ball game. But uh, so they have uh, a certain measure of, of um, teaching uh, through Rabbi Sizomu. So 
their story has also been there being the Abayudaya has also been uh, quite a bit in the news. At least a couple of years ago, there were a few Abayudaya who had uh, an issue with immigration in Israel. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but it's besides the point. So that certainly put them in the news. But this brings me to a point that I would like to clarify for, and this is based on my own in, 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 uh, experiences and impressions. With all of these communities, uh, the black Jewish communities, the emerging communities, you know, people have their motivations, they have their reasons, but I never sensed that, uh, that any of them, their, their motivation was to find this as a pathway to moving out of their home country to, to move to Israel. You know, I mean, it's a natural statistical thing to assume that perhaps a few of them do, but by and large, you know, people are from where they're from. They want to stay with their communities, their cultures, their languages, but they want to go to Israel because uh, just as any other Jew in the diaspora, uh, you know, American Jews, European Jews, you know, they have a Jewish connection to Israel and they want to go to Israel for a visit or maybe they want to go to, some of them want to go to Yeshiva, but the majority of them will ultimately leave and go back to their, their home country. So uh, I don't think their motivations are, are anything but from the heart to learn about Judaism and be connected to the Jewish community at large. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense why somebody would want to leave Uganda given their political and economic state. But thank you for that. I'd actually like to talk about a group of people who are a lot closer to home geographically speaking at least, those are the Remba people. Can you tell me about your experience with them? Well, my Limba experience was really quite limited, unfortunately. And it's funny, uh, you, you mentioned about <laughs> a juicy story of uh, about, you know, not getting access, not getting permission. Ah, yes. Well, I had, known, I, had, yes. I, I had known about the Lemba right from the start of my Jewish Africa project, my, the, first, the first of the eight legs that, that I took. And when I did my first leg, I I wanted to start in South Africa because I needed to get the ball rolling. And I knew starting in South Africa would be relatively easy. I speak the language. There's, the you know, 60, 70% of the Jews on the entire continent live there. And I needed to get the ball rolling. And I figured I'd be able to meet people who could propel me forward and give me connections in other places. That certainly was true. That worked out. And one of those connections I was hoping for was to the Lemba community. Long story short, uh, I didn't get to finally visit a Lemba community up in uh, Limpopo province. I'm sorry, forgive me. I, I, I can't remember the name of the town, but off the top of my head. But um, I was able to make connections with a few people who had seemed like they were going to be able to shore up a, um, an opportunity for me to uh, meet some Lemba community that I could include in my project. And it, these, oppo- these uh, potential op- opportunities fell through on at least three or four occasions. And then I was running out of time. I was down to my last uh, Jewish Africa trip. And finally, uh, things clicked and I went to visit this community. It was it was fascinating because before when we got there, when I say we, I went up with a friend uh, from Johannesburg. And when we got there, before we even got out of the car, the community came out of their community building and all the women, they were all dressed in these absolutely stunning traditional outfits. And they started dancing and singing all around the car. <laughs> it was just amazing. 
And my friend, she got out of the car. She started taking pictures with her. I, I remember with her iPad, she started taking pictures. I didn't want to take any pictures at that moment. I mean, I did. But what I mean is I didn't feel comfortable. I felt like I, I got to greet these people. I have to be, I have to introduce myself. I have to, you know, just to, it's, it's almost like just completely walking up to strangers and start taking photos. It's, it's, you know, it's, um, I, I owe them a little bit of, uh, introduction or respect in that sense. So I, I don't have a single photograph of this particular fantastic, amazing greeting. But the, the, the story of the limba is quite mixed because they're not a monolith and there's only a part of the Jewish limba that are, I'm sorry, there's only a part of the limba who actually follow practice, some practices of Judaism and many of the others, you know, they have other beliefs, you know, Christianity or some other local sort of traditional religion, perhaps. I, I Like I said, I, I, I don't know. But I was only interested in the, the groups that were following the tenets of Judaism. And that also applied to the other emerging groups, any of the groups that were still had allegiance to uh, whatever the religion that they had before, in most cases, some denomination of Christianity. I was not interested. Uh, I wanted to know that they were wholly following Judaism. And that for me was enough to say, okay, I will incorporate you into my project and it would be my honor to do so. Beautiful. And my last question, please don't give me the safe answer. Like parents, when they were asked who their favorite child is, I just want to know (laughs) out of all these countries that you visited, which one was your favorite? Which community was your favorite to interact with? Well, you know, Mukundi, that is a hard question because I don't want to say I like put one against the other. Each one is unique. Each one offers uh, something special. Uh, and on the personal level, I've just my own personal experiences with them and, uh, you know, and memories. Mm. Uh, however, and this is, I, I do have to say, and that's not a secret. I do have a big soft spot for the South African community. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on high FM. <laughs> uh, there, there really is no more connected community at large than there is in South Africa. And what I mean is all of the Jewish communities across the country are almost like one big community. Mm-hmm. The, in, in uh, Johannesburg, in, the, uh, in the, uh, an office called the Beyachad, which is uh, sort of like the, uh, if you will, the Jewish headquarters – there is a series of books on the history of the Jews of South Africa. I believe to date they've published six. They're the most well-documented, well-organized Jewish community that I've ever visited at large. And so that's, if I have to pick a, a favorite, favorite daughter, it's South <laughs> Africa. And I long, and I really long to come back. Ah, we will welcome you with open arms. And we'll dance around your car again. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> wow. Jano, thank you so much for making the time to talk to us today. And we thank you for being a friend of the show. We'll talk to you again some other time. Thank you for the opportunity and a big hello to everybody across the community. And uh, thank you. I, I can't wait to come back. Thank you. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 
101.9 High FM. This is Trouble Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. And unfortunately, we're out of time. I know it sucks, but the good news is we will be doing this again in seven short days. I hope you can stay strong until then. Thank you, to, thank you for spending your Wednesday morning with me, and thank you to Jano David for blessing us with this time. And of course, I wouldn't do this alone. Thank you to the man in the studio, Craig. Gave me a thumbs up. Not a man of many words. And. I will see you. Do not go anywhere, by the way. If you did, if you didn't listen, if you didn't get a chance to hear the conversation or just if you missed the show, the good news for you is it will be on the, on the High FM website in a couple of hours and you can listen to it there. And don't just listen to that. We have a bunch of great shows on High FM that I'm sure you'd enjoy. But that's for, that's for this week. As always, until next time, enjoy the rest of your day.